Welcome to the podcast series, Interest Rates with Mates, with Colin, Todd, Sean, and Cass. Good morning, everyone. Episode number 15. It's a bit of a chilly morning this morning. Good morning. That's all right. Purchase contracts. So big part of our business is obviously purchases. Um, so we're going to run through a purchase contract and sort of what it entails. Now, obviously, we're based in Queensland, so Queensland contract may look very different to a New South Wales contract. So we're going to run through those options or what those two different contracts entail. So probably the the main two uh, that your real estate agent will sort of prompt you with is a finance uh, clause and a building and pest clause. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, I mean, and generally speaking, it's fourteen days for finance on most contracts, uh, but you can nominate uh, a seven day finance clause and anywhere up to a twenty one day finance clause. Well, you can go longer depending on the negotiation, I suppose, when you. Uh, talking to your real estate agent, but but most of the contracts we see are seven days or fourteen days. And if you're pre-approved, like we've said in the past on previous episodes, seven-day finance clause we can generally do. Yeah, and that sort of helps with your negotiating power as well. I guess all these conditions play into the like the negotiating piece at, at the start. I guess like um, if the vendor wants a a fast turnaround, thirty-day settlement. However, you've got other commitments and you can't settle for ninety days or something. Then that could play into that negotiating piece at the start as well. Um, but, yeah, as, as Cole said, like typically Queensland contract is 14 days for finance and, and a 30-day settlement, but that is all negotiable, negotiable at, at the start. So Yeah, yep. I think it's really important too if you, uh, you know, for any listeners that are about to sign a contract, definitely give us a call because we can go through uh, what those finance clauses need to be for their yep. personal scenario. Yep. And then we've got uh, building and pest. So, Usually that's seven or 14 days. Um, I've had a couple recently that have fell over just to building and pest. Yep. So that just allows you to get out of the contract. You know, if you're not happy uh, with the house that you're looking to purchase, there's a few issues with it that, that allows you to get out of it. Now, it can be on the flip side as well that uh, if, if there could be a small structural change, there's, uh, um, you can do some negotiations with the seller to be able to, you know, bring the price down or, or come to an agreement. Mm. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, if there is a person building report that isn't satisfactory, generally speaking, you'll get the advice from your solicitor um, and then there's normally that negotiation piece uh, with the vendor as well at that point in time, which we've had in the past. Yeah. And the building and pest too, just I think it's important to note that um, that's not a requirement from the lender. Well, we spoke about it on, on a previous episode as well. Yep. Some lenders have, have asked for it depending on if the valuers made comment about, you know, something with the property. Um, but generally speaking, the building and pest is just to give the, the purchaser peace of mind and, and confidence that, you know, that the property is sound. Um, but, but, yeah, it's definitely not generally a requirement of, of the lender. And then the uh, next big one is uh, deposits. So you've got uh, generally two deposit sections that are filled out. So you've got your initial deposit, which can be $1,000, $2,000. So that's just to secure the contract. Uh, and then you've got your second deposit. So that's usually uh, a couple of options. You know, once finance has been satisfied, that could be when the second deposit is now payable, uh, unconditional. Um, and that can range from, and the real estate agent will sort of negotiate that with you. Um, but generally, that's you know, it could be five percent of the purchase price, ten percent, 
Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and the important thing there is that um, when you are signing the contract at the start of the process, um, when you are nominating what initial deposit you've got and also that balance deposit, it's funds that you must have at that point in time uh, that gets paid into either your solicitor's uh, trust account or generally the real estate agent's trust account. Um, if you're borrowing uh, 100% of the purchase price because you've got equity in other property, um, then it's important to let the real estate agent know that all of the monies are coming at settlement. You won't have that balanced deposit mm. uh, to pay. There are other things that we can talk about, like deposit bond guarantees. I might get told to give a bit of a, yeah. uh, a chat on that shortly. Yeah, and um, so, yeah, do, do you maybe just want to touch on it now? Yeah, sure, sure. So um, basically a deposit bond, as, as Cole sort of alluded to, is is only really required when the client is borrowing 100% um, of the purchase price. Um, now, for a, a lender to, to be able to, to do that, that's usually if they've got equity tied up in, in other properties or they could be using um, a parent or family member as a guarantor. Um, and what happens there is once once we receive unconditional approval for, for the finance, so that 100% lend or 95% lend, however that may look, we can then submit an, a separate application off to a deposit bond provider um, provide that unconditional finance approval so that the deposit bond provider knows knows that finance is definitely coming. It's just that the bank won't release any funds until they take security of the new property upon settlement. Um, so, yeah, basically the clients pay a, a fee. Um, typically, <laughs> the, the fees I've seen is usually anywhere from sort of 700 through to maybe $1,200 depending on the purchase price. Um, but yeah, the client pays a fee and the deposit bond provider provides a guarantee to the, the vendor that if for some reason the buyer was to pull out of the contract, then, then they'll um, basically, yeah, pay, pay the vendor and then chase the client up post-settlement or, you know, or, sorry, at, at a later date for, for those monies. Um, but yeah, it's basically paying a fee and another financier is providing a guarantee. Can be very handy. Mm, it can, can be, be, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's, that's sort of the main... Uh, nuts and bolts of a contract. So now we'll just probably run through uh, sort of sections that we look at as a financier as well. Uh, so you've got your sediment date. Um, so, you know, average sediment date, as Cole said, can be 30 days. Now that's uh, that can be negotiated between the buyer and seller as well. So you can go up to 60 days, you can go up to 90 days. Um, and then we've got uh, simultaneous sediment as well. So that's when you're, uh, you've got a purchase and you're selling as well and you want them to line up and uh, generally they will yeah, have the same date. Yeah, and but, generally the but, bank will condition for that too. So there's yeah. a simultaneous uh, settlement uh, of the existing property that's being sold and then the uh, the property being purchased as well. Our settlements coordinator loves simultaneous settlements. <laughs> it's always fun. <laughs> um, and then if you run down the uh, contract to sale, you've got included chattels. So this is when the seller might include your dishwasher and Lines and a few other things. Right on lawnmowers, pool tables. <laughs> I've seen lots get, of, get as yeah. much as you can. Um, so, yeah, that's just something that the uh, seller's just willing to put in there. Um, now, conditions. So, this is something that we look for quite closely. Um, there are some conditions that can creep up and make a little bit of a headache. Casta, do you want to? 
touch on a few? Uh, okay, so we've got um, subject to sale. So that's obviously if we're trying to do a simultaneous settlement or you're waiting on a property to sell before you can actually satisfy that um, or have the funds to, to purchase the next property. Um, <clears throat> uh, then we've got the sunset clause. So that's basically your get out of jail, I guess. Cole, do you want to elaborate on that one? Yeah, so sunset clause is um, – uh, essentially, um, say you go and buy uh, a property, um, you've got a, a specific amount of time to uh, sell your existing property, um, but in that period of time, in that sunset clause period, and generally that can be 30 days or 60 days, if another buyer comes in over the top of you and offers uh, a higher price or better terms, you've generally got a, a time period, normally up to 72 hours, to go unconditional on that contract. Um, so it can be a little bit dicey uh, mm. having that clause in the contract. doesn't always mean you're going to be the successful buyer, mm. uh, but it does give you um, uh, an option, I suppose, in terms of the negotiation yep. um, and giving you time to sell your property. And generally we see that sunset clause when you're very, very close to being either on the market with the home you're being yep. uh, sorry that you're selling or you're already on the market and you're finding a home um, in that period. And we've got um, early position as well, so that that's when the buyer might just want to move in a little bit quickly. It could be a vacant home that the seller's um, got for sale, and so they might negotiate to say, "Hey, you know, settlement might be another thirty days, but you know, if we can move in in fourteen days, it's early position." So yeah, yeah. and the biggest thing with early possessions is get the advice of your uh, solicitor, yeah, yeah um, because they, they can be fraught with a, yeah, a bit of danger there. So I've had it in the past where clients have moved in. Uh, and we're, I know we're going to cover off an insurance in a second, but they haven't had insurance and things have gone wrong. And uh, yeah, anyhow. Or settlements delayed. Yeah, settlements yes. delayed yeah. and it becomes a bit, bit of an issue. So, And I think that's one of the key things when we're looking at these um, conditions that are put on contracts is so that it, making sure that you've actually got a really good conveyancer or solicitor on side um, that can explain this to you as well because, um, you know, we don't buy property every day. It's, um, it's something that's a bit foreign to everybody because it's not something that is – really sort of front of mind all the time. And there are those little clauses that in there that can actually come back and, and bite you. Mm. So you really do need to get um, a good good conveyance or a solicitor to have a look at th- look through it prior to actually signing yeah. any contract. A lot of people do jump on the signing the contract, you know, they get all excited in the moment and they're like, yep, yep, we'll sign the contract. Um, but they haven't actually had their solicitor go through it prior to actually signing that contract. 100%. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, now insurance. So uh, not many people know this because it's not it's quite hidden within the terms and conditions of a contract. Uh, but as soon as that contract uh, is signed, technically that property is yours for insurance. Correct. So it's not at settlement date. It's uh, not an unconditional. I think it, is it two days. I think it's within twenty four hours. Yeah, twenty four hours. Have, um, an insurance policy on that property to protect themselves that if something does happen, and, and it's more so to protect. The buyer, because if the vendor doesn't have insurance, yep. obviously if the vendor is still the rightful owner of that property, then their insurance should kick in anyhow. But if they don't have insurance, um, well, then it's important that the buyer has their insurance in place in case something happens like a fire or theft or, or any damage to that property. Mm. Yeah. So very, very, very important to have that in place mm. as soon as you're signing that contract. Absolutely. And speak to your solicitor about it. Um, and yeah, just make sure that it's put in place within that 24 hours. Uh, auctions. So, if you're going to an auction, generally um, that contract is an unconditional contract straight off the bat. So, as soon as that bid is um, successful, you now have an unconditional contract, no finance, no building and pest, 
just a settlement date. Mm, I think a lot of people uh, aren't aware of that. I think uh, some people, you know, we come across clients all the time where they've they've gone in or gone to an auction and thought they could bid, but they don't actually even have any pre-approval lined up. So, yeah, really important to, to make sure that you've got a pre-approval in place prior to going to an auction. I think they need to understand that it, it also can generate a 10% deposit. Yes, correct, exactly. some people mm. might not have. Yeah, that's yeah, right. So, on the flip side, though, I think it's also important that um, yeah, clients are aware because I, I get clients sometimes come to me and say, "Oh, I'll never buy at auction. I've just heard it's too risky." And it's like, mm. "Oh, do you understand like what it actually entails?" Like, "Oh no, I've just heard it's too risky." <laughs> it's like, "Okay, so let, let's break it down. Like, mm. we can mitigate um, yeah mitigate that risk by getting your fully assessed mm. pre-approval, yep. checking your deposit um, before you bid at auction. Send us a copy of the." the link to the property so we can, you know, we can check that it's an acceptable security. Yep. So as long as we're doing all those checks, we can, you know, mitigate a lot of those risks. But, yeah, just making them fully aware that it's yeah. not it's not all that risky. It's just as long as you've got a good deposit, you know, you're confident in your, in your finance approval um, and all that, yeah, we can definitely assist there. Yep. Yeah, yep. absolutely. A bit of pre-planning always works with prior to an auction. And then uh, probably one more thing to cover off is um, let's say you're doing a purchase for an owner-occupied home and there's a current tenant in there. Um, so we can actually still do an owner-occupied loan if the tenant lease is uh, finishing within six months. That's correct, yeah. And, so and, and the stamp duty, as I understand it as well, is uh, still uh, still a concession as, a, yep. uh, as an owner-occupier as long as that, that tenancy expires or ends within that six months from the date of contract. Um, check it with your solicitor just to make make certain, but um, but that's the way that uh, we've been explaining that uh, in the past. Yeah, and just important to note there too, if if anybody's like spoken direct to their bank in the past and they've been told otherwise, that's because every lender's policy is slightly different. Some of the more conservative lenders, um, you know, might require you to move into that property within three months. Um, but as Sean said, like we, we definitely have lenders there that will allow you as long as you you have the. As long as that lease is ending within sort of six months, so therefore you have the opportunity to move into that property, we can definitely do it as an owner-occupied loan. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so we're based in Queensland, so we've sort of covered off Queensland mortgages uh, – sorry, uh, purchase contracts. Um, now, every state is different, ACT, New South Wales. Tasmania, Tasmania yeah, Adelaide. Victoria. Um, so you've got cooling-off periods, you've got exchange of contracts. So if you are listening in another state, please give us a call and we can run through what those options for you uh, as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Todd's our New South Wales expert. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've got a fair bit of experience down there, having Great. started my time down there and growing up down there. Um so yeah, it is, it is very different, and it's it just varies from region to region as well. Like as we were talking about earlier, closer you get to the Queensland border, some of those solicitors and real estate agents tend to do it the same as 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 the Queensland contracts are set out. Um, but yeah, closer you get to Sydney, it's just all over the place. So. Mm. Yeah. All good. All right. Uh, thanks for joining. We'll be doing a bit of a different one next week. The general chat. Um, yeah, stay tuned. See you next week. Look forward to it. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed creating it for you. If you have any feedback, questions or suggestions for future topics, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. All of these episodes are available to download for free wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, take care.